and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have a super special guest for you, the powerhouse Shamika Tankerson, who is a master sales strategist, an international best-selling author, an award-winning business coach who's been featured on ABC, CNN, CBS and Forbes. She is the creator of the Authority Selling Method, which is a powerful yet simple framework for having conversations and making offers that serve and sell. Shamika empowers high-performance business leaders all over the globe to bust through fear, boldly acknowledge the massive value they bring to the table and activate 100% confidence to charge more and sell more without apology. Shamika has been described as the best sales trainer for women on the planet and a money-making badass. Her authority selling method and famous I Serve sales conversation system has changed selling for women in the best possible way. Are you ready to play a much bigger game? And if you are, it's now time to tap into your powerhouse with Shamika. Enjoy. So today we have a very special guest for you, and a beautiful name too, by the way, Shamika Tankerson. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. How are you today? I'm awesome. Thank you so much for having me today, Catherine. You are most welcome. We were just actually comparing time. So it's 7 a.m. Saturday morning here in Melbourne, and it's in the afternoon at your end of the world. And it's obviously summer too at your end of the world too. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. And I, when you said it was 7 a.m., I'm thinking I'm not a morning person. I barely know my name at 7 a.m. in the morning. So hats off to you for being able to do this right now. Oh, I do. I'm, I'm an early bird. I go to bed early, though. I'm like, I go to bed at, I think, sometimes even 8, 30, 9 o'clock. It just really depends on what I've got on that day. But uh, it's just a habit, I think, now. Now, for our listeners, we were talking about something you did just recently, which actually uh, uh, I had, I was filled with goosebumps and, and also sheer fear. Talk us through what you just did just recently, something that you faced just recently. I had the amazing pleasure to actually go skydiving this past weekend. And when I tell you that there was this sheer fear and exhilaration at the same time, it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. But 
I was actually very, very afraid to do it. I've wanted to skydive for, I, I would say most of my life, even as a kid, I would see people jumping out of planes thinking, I'd love to do that. But deep inside, I'd go, no, <laughs> I could never do that. And so this year, a couple of months ago, I just decided to go for it. And it happened last Friday. <laughs> wow. What was going through your mind? Like as you were approaching, ready to jump out of that plane, what were you thinking? So many things. So I think the real fear actually came before I ever even showed up to the location that we were going to jump from. It wasn't about the fact that I was jumping out of the plane. It was what I was playing in my head about what could possibly go wrong. And so I had more fear during that moment, during those moments than I did actually when it was time to jump out of the plane. And I think the most um, terrifying moments in the actual skydive was when we left the plane. You know, we're, when you're at the end of the door looking over, you're with your, I jumped tandem. So I jumped with an instructor. When you're looking over, it's like, okay, this is going to happen. And then he counts three, two, and then he goes. And those first three seconds, I thought, I'm no longer in the plane. Oh, shoot. This is happening. <laughs> yeah. And then something inside of me clicked and said, you got to surrender to this. Like you're in the moment and you may never do this again. Just enjoy the ride. And that was it. Wow. Isn't it funny that we do that? It's always before the actual, any event, not that I've ever jumped out of a plane, but I know that for me, you know, if I've got a gig where I have to do an event or I'm, I'm speaking a keynote or anything like that, it's before I get on stage. It's the, it's the, that story I tell myself before I'm actually on stage, where I'm, on stage, I'm okay. But before it's like, what about if I do this? What about if I do that? What about, it's constant. Um, and so what are, what are your tricks to actually um, override that story you were telling yourself? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I, I find that the story we tell in our head is actually the thing that makes us most fearful. And I think what happens to most of us or most people is because if that story is strong enough or if we haven't worked on moving past that that fear and that apprehension, um, what happens is we stop ourselves. And we don't move forward because of the story. So the thing that I do, the trick that I have is I practice putting myself in situations where I have to move through fear or move through the unknown or the uncomfortableness of a situation where I don't know the outcome. And it didn't start with jumping out of planes. Like I started with small things like, um, you know, anything that makes me uncomfortable. It's like, OK, let's just make a decision to decide to do this thing. And then when you get on the other side, you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Um, and the the crazy thing about it is I actually created a challenge that allows people to do just that. And so in one of the days, um, one of the things that I give them to do is to walk into a coffee shop and lay on the floor for two minutes. Oh, that's now, hilarious. This, yes, this day is a day that illustrates exactly what you're talking about. It, it, it illustrates how in our head, I thought when I was going to do this, because I did it along with all of the people who did it with me, who did the challenge with me, um, I was thinking, I'm going to get arrested. They're going to kick me out. They're going to think I'm crazy. Literally, I'm laying on the floor in a Starbucks of all places, like a very popular um, coffee shop here in the US. I don't know if you guys have them yeah, there. Yeah, we do. Um, where you are, but I'm laying on the floor in a Starbucks and people are literally stepping over me and not paying me any attention. 
So all the stories I had in my mind about how people were going to react, what they were going to think about me, none of it happened. None of it happened. It was all stories. <laughs> wow, that's super amazing. And I'm just thinking, how can not, but not anyone attend to to you lying on the floor, making sure that you're okay, Shamika? That's hilarious. They just walk over you. It's extremely hilarious. One person did check. It was like the manager of the store or someone who was working there just leaned over because my son was videotaping. He leaned over, she leaned over and just asked, is she okay? And my son said, yeah, she's just doing um, a challenge or an exercise, um, part of a, you know, something that she's doing. And she said, okay, I was just checking on her and nothing else. That's it. Any people walking into the place, they bought their coffee, they sat at tables around me. You can literally see them in the video stepping over me. And I thought I was going to be disrupting everybody's day. That's so hilarious. So talking about stories, Shamika, let's unpack Shamika. Let's talk about you. What's your story for our listeners so they get a bit of insight into who you are and what you do? Yeah, you know, um, I think the biggest thing about me is how I got into this journey of literally dealing with people's fears, dealing with my own fears when it comes to selling, when it comes to building your business. Um, you know, I've been through a lot of things and a lot of my setbacks and failures, the things that I experienced held me back because I had failed, because I had you know, not accomplish the goals that I thought that I should have accomplished by a certain time, I found myself shrinking and shrinking and shrinking to the point where I wasn't playing a big game. I wasn't being bold um, in my ask or in my my actions that I was taking to build my business. And so I recently wrote a book called The Power of Permi Permission, How to Set Fire to Your Fears and Sell More. And that book unpacks this journey that I went on from having a multiple six-figure business to losing it all and finding my way back again um, to rebuilding my business. And so what I do now today is I work with ambitious powerhouse business owners to help them to crush doubt and activate 100% confidence to sell more and to charge more without apologies. And here's what I've realized over my years of helping women to grow their businesses and to grow their sales is that there's this pattern that I started to notice and it mirrored my own journey. And that pattern was no matter how experienced or talented my clients are when they show up to work with me, many of them are resistant to taking those big, bold action steps their businesses need to grow to the level of the vision that they have, um, the call on their life, the purpose, the legacy they want to leave. And it's all because of one simple, basic, yet inc incredibly powerful belief. And that belief is this, deep down, somewhere deep inside of them, they didn't think they were good enough. They didn't think they were experienced enough, credentialed enough, popular enough, known enough, whatever. You can insert whatever enoughness thing you might be struggling with there. And so here's what I came to understand is that your beliefs are impacting your courage your certainty and your confidence. And they're chipping away at your self-esteem and so much more. And that realization for myself and as well as my clients is what shifted me from simply working on strategy in my clients' businesses to the work I now do around fear, power, and beliefs. It's this that the core problem has nothing to do with sales strategies and tactics because showing up powerfully in sales situations does not come from tactics and strategies. It comes from within you.
Mm. I'd love to sort of uh, sort of hone into that part where you were saying that you got to a place of a, a, a six figure earn, earning and then you lost everything. What was that between you uh, earning that amount of money to losing everything? What was that that created or what was the habit or what was that thing that made you lose it all? Mm. So um, the losing of everything, it had to do with the economy and the marketplace. So this was in 2008, 2009, um, when here in the States, everything basically just fell out. The bottom fell out of everything. And so I found myself, because I had all of my eggs in one basket in my business, really focused on one area of business and nothing else to fall back on, um, not being able to create the revenue that I wanted to create. And here's what kept me stuck. As everything started to slip away, not being able to find clients, not being able to place clients. Um, I was in the mortgage business, by the way. So that'll kind of give you an, some insight as to how quickly everything went away. We blew through all of our savings um, for the pride of trying to like, we can do this and hold on to everything. And I had retired my husband and he was working in my business. So there was no safety net other than the savings and the things that the money that we had set aside. And so we blew through that. And um, here's what kept me stuck. What kept me stuck is the pride of not wanting anybody to know that I had lost everything. And so on the outside, I was like, oh, yes, I'm going to do this. We're going to rebuild everything. And I'm amazing. And I'm ready for clients. And I'm, you know, just refocusing what I'm doing. But on the inside, I felt like a fraud. I felt like, how am I going to show other people how to build their businesses or how to make sales if I can't do it for myself? And so the inside of me was not feeling worthy to be paid or not feeling worthy um, to have clients or accept compensation for the work that I was doing. Mm, and that's a, that's a common thing that you hear quite often. It's about the self-worth thing that kind of shows up. So so what I'm hearing, uh, Shamika, you saying that um, for all of us that are in business or for any entrepreneur that they should have different streams uh, within their business and not putting, like as you said, putting all your eggs in, in one basket and one area in the business. Is that an advice or a piece of aha moments that you could share with our listeners? Is that something that, so for example, you were saying that you had everything in, in, in one area. Um, mm -hmm. Is that, is it, do you do it differently now? Definitely. So um, it's not so much that I have multiple streams in the sense of what most people think of when they think multiple streams. It's like I have one business over here and I have, you know, this business over there. Um, I'm not gotten to that point yet in my journey necessarily, but having different types of revenue coming in. So leverage revenue, active income coming in and then passive income coming in so that it's not all focused in one way where it's just dependent on me making a sale, closing a sale, that kind of thing, or my time tied into it, or one way of working with the clients that I serve. Mm. So talk us through that. When you're talking about active and passive, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So active income for me is like the money that is tied into you working with someone. Maybe that's one-on-one. -on -one. It's tied into your ability to close a sale, to engage a client and to deliver that strategy or the service or the product to the client. That's what I would consider act active income. And you're in total, complete control of that. If you go make money, you make money, right? So that's what I think of as active income. 
And then passive income, of course, is income that once you set it up, you don't have to think about it. It's like set it and forget it income. That money's going to come to you. So it could be residual. It could be affiliate income where you are selling someone else's product and that money is just coming to you and you don't have to deliver on it. Um, so that's what I would look at as passive income. And then leverage income is where you are leveraging yourself and your time, um, where it's not as active as active. So you might have multiple people in a group that you're serving at one time, and then you're compounding the amount of money that you're bringing in for the hours that you're spending on it. Mm, gotcha. So, and, and sales is a, is one of those things that I think that you either get or you don't get. And I think that when you were talking about sales, and this is one, one I'd really love to unpack because we don't talk about this often. It's this, uh, mindset that sometimes that we have where we are, for example, and what you were talking about beforehand, which, you know, charging what you're worth and, um, you know, charging the right amount of money. This is one, this goes back to self-worth. And sometimes what we tend to think, and I, I'm saying this for myself, because I know that I've experienced this through my journey, that sometimes you might think that, oh, I better not charge that much because they actually don't want to, or, you know, they might shun away from an upfront cost, for example, or, or they might shun away from a monthly cost. Um, so there, there is a, a strategy and there is a, a way to apply a sales funnel. Um, so talk us through about the sales. I know a lot of people don't understand and get quite quite confused with the whole selling process. Talk us through that because I know that's your area of expertise. So I think the biggest thing that I would like to point out when it comes to sales is that sales is a learned skill. Anyone can learn it and that skill set is transferable. Um, so once you understand what selling is and how someone makes a buying decision, then you can apply it to your business and it's transferable. I'm, I'm not any different from anyone else. Yes, I've had many, many years of sales experience. And so, yes, I have mastered selling to the point where I know I can, I can, Break it down to the point of a number. I know if I talk to this many people, this is how much money I'm going to make. And eventually you could get there too, but there's some things that you have to understand. And the first thing is that selling is a learned skill. I think there are three major reasons why people struggle with sales and there's an underlying current to that. So the underlying current before I get to the three reasons that people struggle with sales or they're not, they don't get enough sales or they have a hard time with it is because they make the process or the buying process more about them than the customer. We're deciding whether or not people can afford to pay a service or if they're willing to based on our own value system and has nothing to do with the client and the client hasn't told us that that's their value system. It's likely a mirror effect of our own value system. Mm. Most, most of the people that I work with will tell me, oh, I just want to serve people. I just want to help. And people who have that kind of heart, they're not selfish people. But I want to give a shift in perspective. When you make it about you, you're being very selfish. When you make it about how you're going to feel if somebody tells you no, when you make it about whether or not somebody's going to think you're money hungry if you offer them something for a certain dollar amount. It's more about you than it is about them because then you don't make the offer and they are stuck not having the solution that they're seeking because of it. Yeah. So when you're, so what are those, um, what is, uh, is there like a step-by-step -step 
process that one can take when so for example I know for um for most entrepreneurs and people in business it's, it's how much do we charge so what's that process do you obviously you do your research um that kind of thing or do you go to market and do a bit of a survey to ask um you know w- whether they would prefer to pay uh, on a monthly basis or an upfront like how do you find all your 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 um information um, to be able to gather, you know, how much to charge. Like, so what, what do you do? Okay, you, you should be sitting down for this because I'm about to blow your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I am sitting down. So my clients laugh at me every time a new person comes into our community and asks this sort of question. They all just start giggling because it starts with me whenever someone, ever someone asks me, how much should I charge? And I smile and sit back and I start with what is your capacity to receive? What is your capacity to receive? Because for every business model out there, I can find someone who's charging $100 to do the same service that someone else is charging $100,000 to do. Wow, that is so true. I'm sitting, I'm writing this down, by the way. I'm, I, that's fantastic. What is your capacity to receive? Mm hmm. Yeah. Because you can slap a price tag on something all day. And if in the back of your mind, you feel like no one's going to pay that, or you feel like, um, you know, oh, I might be robbing people, or that's an astronomical amount of money, or who's going to pay me that, you're not going to be able to sell it for that amount. And it doesn't matter how many other people out there in the marketplace that sell it for that price point, it won't work for you. So we always start there with Mm. what's your capacity to receive? Yeah. That's interesting because when I think about from a sales perspective, uh, a buying decision, uh, you can, and I've done a bit of research around that because it's from a, a, a buyer's perspective, if it's too cheap, they might go, well, there's no value in that. If it's too expensive or if it's, it's a higher price, um, there must be value in that. So there's, there's that, that mindset out there where it, it, they do look at it if it's too cheap, there's no value. What are your thoughts around that? I absolutely agree with that. Um, more often than not, when someone comes to me and they tell me, I can't find people who can afford to pay my services. And I know immediately they are too cheap. Their prices are, I mean, cheap is relative, but their prices are too low. And what happens is I believe that you attract people at the price range in which you price your services because there are those who think like you and I both think right now, mm. something that is of higher value or that it's going to get me a result. I'm going to have to pay more to get the best. Yeah. And so while we may think that we are being of service of people by pricing low so that, quote unquote, more people can have access to whatever it is that we're offering, it's actually a fallacy. It's a it's a flawed thinking process because of the way we think as human beings. We automatically assign more value to the more expensive thing. Look at the cars that we buy, the homes that we purchase. We are it's drilled into our minds that the things that cost more have more value. And so when you're positioning yourself as an authority or as an expert, that is definitely one of the things that you want to consider when pricing your services. Mm. And so when you price your services, do you have, a, uh, so for example, I always give them three options. That's what I do. And I like to give them, um, you know, the high, the medium and the low version. Um, do you have a, a, a variety of, of options for your clients in when it comes to pricing or do you have a, just a set standard? 
I do have a variety of options. I have three and I do a high, medium and low, but in my sales process and and the process that I teach my clients, we don't focus on the pricing when we're making the offer in the conversation. We, we focus on how the client wants to be served. So if you think about it, there, there's a mindset of a client who is used to investing at a higher level or at a higher price point or dollar amount, right? They love hands, high touch, hands on high touch service. And so in the sales conversation, we don't focus on the price point. We focus on how does the client want to be served? So if I'm looking at all my, all three of my options and sharing them with them, I'll say, look, in my first option, here's how I I like to work with people. These are for the people who know they like high touch, high accountability and access. Right. So I'm showing them that this is the white glove experience. And then in my mid-level service, this is for someone who still wants a bit of access, but they're not quite at the level um, of the person who wants the high touch. Right. They want a little bit of access. They want to be able to ask questions and they and they like the fact that they could go through this with people because they love, you know, to work in groups. So I might share in that way. Um, and then the last level, I'll say this is for the person who's like, look, just tell me what what I need to do. Give me the steps and I can do it on my own. Mm. Yeah, I do the same thing. I actually, it's more of a value because I was going to ask you, how do you know how your clients want to be served? So it's not a matter of knowing, it's just offering them the three different options. And then it's, and, and what do you think probably is the one that's more uh, popular in your experience? I think the mid-level ends up being the one that people most often enroll into, but the most popular is always the high touch. Then it becomes it, it becomes a decision as to whether or not I'm actually ready for either that kind of accountability or the investment level. Mm. So the, the three different ones is obviously the one-on-one, which is the high touch, then there's the group one, or then there's the self-work. Uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, excellent. So um, – Shamika, we love to always talk about pain points because we believe that uh, every entrepreneur, every business has a pain point. What would be a pain point for you uh, that you come across every now and then in your business? I think for me, it it stems actually around um, this confidence and courage and being visible you know, as strongly as I need to be. I think at every level that I go to, I have this sense of the bottom's going to fall out. (laughs) And so I want to retreat and go, okay, that's enough. You've been, you've been too loud, calm down. Um, And so I see this at every level that I go through within myself, which is why I do a lot of the courage experiences that I do for myself, reminding myself that this is just the next level of unknown that you must continue to walk through. Mm. And that could stop you in your in your tracks, right? When you it actually has. that fear of the unknown can actually stop people taking that next step. Oh, definitely, and it has many, many times. I mean, I've I grow my business, and then everything just go haywire because I thought, oh my gosh, something's going to happen, and then I start to behave in a way where things do start to happen. I stop making sales, I stop being visible, all of those things, and so yeah, can stop you right in your tracks because you're not sure what's on the other side. And in fact, um, one of the lessons and takeaways from my skydiving um, adventure this past weekend had to do with that because I jumped alone. I didn't take a partner. I didn't take anyone with me. Um, I went by myself. And the thought was, I probably should have a support system there, right? Mm. And so here's what I realized, that once I said yes and I got there, I still was feeling kind of alone. But when they put me in my group and my cluster, 
I then got my instructors. I got the people that I was going to be on the plane with. And I had people that had jumped out of the plane before. So an entire team who had already had experience or was on the same journey was waiting on the other side of my yes. And I think when we step into a place of a bigger, bolder decision, whether it's in our life or our business, we're not quite certain what's waiting on the other side for us. We know what's where we are and we don't always want to leave that behind. But I believe that most often everything you need is on the other side of your yes. Mm, I love that. I got a visual when you said that. It's true. It's 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 when you get on the other side. It's focusing on the other side and what would that look like rather than focused on where you are at the present time in that present mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. So the other thing, Sh- uh, Shamika, what I like to get into is uh, what do you think the number one reason, and, and you've experienced this firsthand, what do you think the number one reason or one of the number one reasons that most individuals or businesses uh, fail to succeed? Hmm. I mean, there's different perspectives um, to to look at this from. I mean, I can look at it from a monetary perspective, from an administration type perspective, from statistics. Um, but I, I really believe it, it does have something to do with this underlying like fear of the unknown, fear of what's coming next. And it's fear is sneaky. It doesn't mean, oh my gosh, I'm scared to build my business. You can be confident as all get out, but fear shows up in sneaky little ways and and sabotages you. So it could be you procrastinating on making a decision or calling back that really big client that reached out to you because you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this person wants to work with me. And then you wait and wait and wait. And then in the meantime, they could hire someone else or now you have competition. Um, So it could be procrastination, um, all all sorts of little things that we do. Um, buying more courses and getting more training and certification, that's all an undercurrent of fear that keeps us missing opportunities, um, whether it's clients or visibility opportunities, speaking engagements, all sorts of things, because we allow that fear to hold us back. Mm, so true. And our fear is uh, false evidence appearing real. It's not real. It's a figment of your imagination. That's what I keep on saying to myself. So when it pops up for me, I'll go, come on, let's go for a dance. We're going to dance through this. Absolutely. I One thing I realized that that's so amazing when you think about fear is you can't have fear in the present. You don't usually have fear of the present because you're safe, right, in the present. Usually when we have fear, if you think about the exercise we talked about earlier, my thinking about jumping out of the plane, laying on the Starbucks floor, it's because we were looking to the future and imagining what was going to go wrong. Or we look back to the past and think of all the ways that we made mistakes and fail or failed or things blew up in our our face in the past. So one of the things that I love to do when you think about fear, because it's not real, right? In the present moment, you're safe is I tell myself, what do I want to do in this moment? In this moment, I'm safe. There's nothing going wrong in this moment. What decision do I want to make? Love it. So Shamika, I'm curious, what advice would you have given yourself a younger self, um, you know, a younger version of Shamika? I think the biggest thing is this, like you're, there's no separation between who you are in life and who you are in business. And I think growing up or being younger in business, I thought, okay, let me put my head down. I have these big goals. I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 40. And so I didn't really live. 
I literally, even for my degrees and I have degrees in business. So even with my degrees, I didn't even walk. I didn't celebrate my graduation. I just said, Hey, you know what? No problem. Send me my, my papers. I'm good. I got things to do. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And there was this drive behind it. And you look up, I looked up and I have now grown children. I have one child left at home and I'm like, wow, where did the time go? Mm -hmm. Everything that I was doing was to build this life for them. And so I'm recognizing as time has gone on that life and business, they go hand in hand. My life informs my business. There's no separation between who I am as a mom and who I am as a wife and who I am as a businesswoman. I am Shamika whole and complete. Mm, So true. We were just having, I think it was just the other day, um, uh, interviewing a, another woman of inspiration and uh, we were speaking about how in business how we work through our personal brand and and finding our identity and in reality it's just you people buy off you it's not about your business it's about you know because when you think about it you know what is uh, the differentiator here you know how many coaches are there how many you know it's you that uh, people connect with. And I think that that's really important uh, with what you just said. It doesn't matter what your environment is, uh, whether you're at home, you're a mother or a business, you're Shamika and people come to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. 100% agree with that. Yeah. So Shamika, the other thing that we love to ask our woman of inspiration is to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. So what would be that one word for you? Definitely powerful. Mm. definitely powerful actually i think that i actually mentioned this to you at the very start when i looked at your website and what you do i just went wow powerhouse powerful woman so i absolutely resonate with what you just said the other thing that we also as we wrap up the show love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick three shiny golden nuggets to leave for our listeners so what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today When I was going through my downtime um, where I had lost everything, I remember having this moment. um, And and actually, I'll just be completely transparent and honest. I was actually sitting in the welfare office. Um, That's the point that this had gotten to. Um, And I thought, how did I get here? How did I, a multiple six-figure earner with multiple degrees, why, how am I here? And it was one of the most humbling and embarrassing moments of my life. Um, A lot of shame around that moment. But I remember sitting there and audibly hear a voice tell me that you can do this, get up and fight. And so that day, there's three permissions that I wrote myself and I want to share them with you. And Mm. let's just let those be um, the nuggets. And the first permission slip was permission to trust my value, permission to trust my value. And I want you to think about a, if I took a hundred dollar bill and I ripped it a little bit and stomped on it and dragged it around on the ground, how much would that hundred dollar bill be worth? Still $100, Yeah. right? So it doesn't matter what you go through how many setbacks, disappointments, failures that you have, the value that you bring to the table is still the value that you bring to the table and no one can take that away from you. So that's number one. Um, Number two is permission to own your expert status, to own your authority and your expert status. So yes, I had built a business and lost everything. And I think we're in those moments of failure. When we're in those moments of failure, we forget the success that we've had. And so um, 
you know, sometimes we have to declare like, this is who I am. Here's my authority. Yes, I'm an expert at this, but we're afraid to step out and say that because we don't want to look pompous and we don't want to look arrogant. But how are people going to know that you are the best of the best at what you do if you don't share that with them? And so I like to anchor in the story of one of the greatest boxers of all time. We can call him the greatest boxer of all time. And I'll ask you if you know who that is. Who's the greatest boxer of all time? Muhammad. Yes, Muhammad Ali. And I don't care what age people are, where they're from. When I ask that question, that is always their answer. So here's my follow-up question always. Who said he was the greatest? Mm. He He did. He said he was the greatest. We didn't name him the greatest. He did. And in fact, he's quoted as saying, I said I was the greatest before I ever knew I was. And so that expert status and that authority that we're claiming in our marketplace, it starts from within us. If we don't believe, nobody will. So permission to own my expert status was the second permission slip I gave myself. And the last one was to stop hiding in plain sight and sell more. Stop worrying about being slimy and sleazy because I can't help or support anyone until they hire me. When they hire me, then the relationship happens and transformation can happen. So I'm not afraid of selling. I'm not afraid of offering to people because I know that that is the bridge from the gap of where they are to where they want to be. Wow, Shamika, I love them all. I love the analogy about the $100 bill. That is so true. And Muhammad Ali, this is so true. He actually quoted that himself. I'd like to ask you about selling. Um, what is the process? So I know, for example, many moons ago when I started, I was doing cold calling. Then I sent out letters. Then I, um, you know, I, I tried all these different approaches. What approach do you recommend or what approach works for you? Um, are we talking like having a conversation with someone to sell or like lead generation? Uh, how do you, yeah. So whether it's, um, do you have conversations? I mean, everyone does it in a different way. Some people go through social media. Some people do cold calling and try to get in front of an individual to, to have a face-to-face conversation. Some people mm-hmm. will send out emails or letters as a soft approach and then give them a call. So what would be a best approach? Because I know that you do a lot of the selling stuff and I think that that's one of the things that people always get stuck on. What's the best approach? Yeah, so I want to definitely point out something. I think people mistake marketing and sales for the same thing and they're not. So marketing is when you're saying, hey, here's who I am and I could help you and you're generating your leads. So that's your lead generation of who am I going to talk to? Who am I going to sell to? And selling is the process by which you help someone make that buying decision. And so, um, and I truly believe that your marketing can inform your selling so that the way that my marketing is now set up, when someone gets on a phone with me and I do sell on the phone through conversation most often. Um, When they get on the phone with me, they're pretty much already sold. We're just talking to each other. They're ready to buy. So that's a powerful process of making sure that your marketing primes people and answers many objections that they would have before they ever make that connection for the buying decision, whether that's you sending them to a landing page or you shooting them an email and making an offer or them getting on the phone with you or you making an offer from speaking. There's things that you want to do ahead of time to set people up so that they've already had their objections answered. They already see your credibility and see that you're an authority and they are ready. They just want to know how. 
Mm. So you obviously make yourself available to have those conversations, phone calls or whatever that may be. I do. It's And it's an entire system that's set up where people basically put themselves on my calendar. So my focus is doing, I'm doing my, my education, my content marketing. So I do live streaming. Um, I have emails set up. Um, I speak. I think speaking is one of the most powerful ways that you can um, create sales and grow your business. So those are the things that I do on the front end. And all of those things always lead people to connecting with me somehow for a conversation. So they're doing it on their own. So I know they already want what I have uh, or they need what I have because they've raised their hands and said so. Mm, love it. Shamika, th- I can't thank you enough for uh, coming on the show. It's been a pleasure and very insightful, can I say. I've actually been writing notes um, as we speak. So uh, for our listeners, what's the best place to find you? So my best hangout spot in the world is Facebook. So you can find me on Facebook just under my name. I have an amazing Facebook group that I've put together where I'm training for free. We're hanging out and supporting each other, all focused on sales. So inside of that group, people are screaming to the tops of their lungs like, I made a sale today and everybody's cheering them on. Um, It's called the Dare to Go Get It Tribe. And the way that you get there, quite simply, just use this URL. It is powerplayerslive.com. So that's how you can connect with me there. If you just want to follow me, see what I have going on, listen in on some of my trainings. And then I want to gift everyone something. Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the Fear Stops Here Challenge, where over five days, I walk you through overcoming the five most common fears, keeping you from creating the impact and earning the income that you desire. It's called the dare to go get it challenge. Um, and it, it, every day you'll get a video and this is not for the faint of heart. It's not the, like your cookie cutter type run of the mill challenge. Every day I will ask you to do something and the challenges get increasingly a little more difficult, but what you will realize as you're going through the challenges, you will come face to face with the excuses and the things that are keeping you in fear and stopping you from taking those big, bold actions in your business. Cause these challenges have nothing to do with business. They have everything to do with it. They're like, it's like having a parallel, um, experience where you can look at it and go, wow, this is why I'm not making offers. This is why I'm getting on the phone with people or encountering people who say they want to work with me, but then I'm not making an offer for them to work with me. You'll be able to see that. And the way that you access that challenge is I've put together a a short link. It's bit.ly forward slash go get it challenge. bit.ly forward slash go get it challenge. You'll get immediate access. You'll get one video and one challenge to do each day to overcome the five most common blocks that keep you from the income and the impact that you desire. And what we're looking at doing is rewiring your mind to take massive action and transform your relationship with fear so that it never stops you again. Wow, I love that. I, I'm sitting here going, oh, I would love to do that. But then there's this little voice in my <laughs> head going, lying on the floor in Starbucks. I don't think so. But that's exactly, exactly what it's, you're talking about. It's, it's, it's ignoring that little inner voice and just go and do it. 
Yes, definitely. <laughs> so, Shamika, you talked about the five common fears. What are the most five common fears before we wrap up? So we look at the first one is fear of being seen. It's it's this thing around visibility, people really seeing you for who you are in completion and in totality. And so it will stop you from doing things like speaking, doing live streaming, showing up really powerful in your business so that people know that you're in business. You're like not hiding in plain sight. Um, the other one is um, fear of rejection. So that's a huge one. So we do a challenge around that. I won't tell you what it is because mm. I, I don't want you to talk yourself out of it. So fear of rejection, <laughs> um, fear of judgment or criticism is another one. Um, fear of charging way too much. And the other one is fear of failure. Mm. So those are the top five. Wow. I can wow. relate to a lot of those. Absolutely. Look, Shamika, thank you so much for your time and energy. It's been a pleasure having you on the show and I look forward to doing some more work with you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. It has been. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. If you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care.